another episode of the bitch mob podcast we have here today a special guest big bro antoine and yo moody everybody knows him jersey legend athletics hall of fame for felician class of 2019 all-time leading rebounder 848 boards top five in points assists steals field goal percentage went to the playoffs three out of four full seasons we got greatness with us. How you doing today, man? Good looking, bro. Good looking. I see you did your homework. <laughs> nah, well, that's, that's what's up. I'm happy to be here, man, with all you guys, both of you guys, man. It's an honor. I'm happy to be a part of this, um, this podcast today. We thank you for hopping on, but before we get into everything, congrats. I know you got a baby girl on the way, so congrats on that. Second thank you, child. thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Girl is different, though, but All right. I'm happy to be a girl dad. <laughs> All right. First thing I got to ask, we just looking at the stats right there, all-time leading rebound is 6'4". You listed that shooting guard. I've played with you. I know you play way bigger than 6'4". You play around like you 6'11". What motivated you to be that nasty on the boards? Like 848 rebounds. That's a lot of rebounds, man. Well, um, it's hard to explain. Like, I always wanted to be around the basketball, you know. I never wanted to be a selfish player, so I always try to be unselfish. So I know a way of helping the team was always rebounded. So I always look for other things to do besides just scoring. And rebound became became so natural to me at an early age. So it really wasn't – it really was just like second nature. Like, I – and I figured that, and I, I learned in the early days that, yo, if you get the rebound, you got the ball in your hands, and you can push the ball at that point. So it's always been, it's always been like a smart thing to do for me to do, especially in college. And I didn't have to get in sets. I could start a fast break. I started to learn that. And I was like, yo, this, this could be beneficial for not just me, but for the team. So I started to realize that. And I knew, I knew once starting to find out, and I started studying. I watched a lot of film on, on people, how they take shots and tendencies and how the ball, if I line up over here, I was never the highest jumper or the biggest person. So I always figured, like, listen, if I stand on this side, if I stand on this side of the basket, the ball got a tendency of just made the ball, the ball make, got about like 50, 60% chance that the ball may come this way. So I started to study that and I started to get a, a that's where I started to get a real good feel for the game on the rebounding aspect. It became, the office became a lot easier after that. 
was that something that was uh, taught from one of your coaches or that was something that you just, you decided to do your own studying the film of where the basketball might land? You know what happened? I think, I think I was playing on a lot of good teams early on in my age. So I figured, I, I figured that, I figured that, yo, I need to make a difference on, on a different aspect of the game. So I was like, you know what? Yo, let me try this. And it worked. So early on, I was a good rebounder. Early on, I was a good rebounder. And then when I got to college, it just magnified because the stage was bigger. So when I got to college, it was just like nobody was doing what I was doing. So I was like, damn, I'm a short guard. And I'm in here getting 10 rebounds. I started early. I was like, I didn't pick it up till like my sophomore year, but I, I was grabbing rebounds my freshman year, but not as much as – after that, like my career took off when I started rebounding, and I, and I realized that I was like, man, let me hit the glass. Like, I could start, I could start an offense, and I could start an offense before I even start an offense if I if I rebound. So I realized when I realized that, that really unlocked a lot of a lot of the potential that I had, like just rebounding the basketball. And I never knew that until I started really understanding, like, yo, damn, this really the game could be a lot much easier if I just if I if I hit the glass. So. When I started learning that, it was just the game took off. Everything else was easy after that. Yeah, this really fits into the theme of the stuff we've been talking about with Hoopers, people who played at a high level like yourself, right? Like, get really good at one thing. Right. And, and everything else will fall into place, right? So, you obviously could rebound the basketballs. It, it might have been your best traded basketball player, right? Which, mm-hmm. How would you describe your game uh, for the listeners? I was um, – I'm gonna tell you that I was always I always wanted to do a little bit of everything. I never really wanted to be labeled as a scorer, as a playmaker, as a rebounder. I always wanted to be able to put my hand in everything. I always wanted to be a triple threat guy. I can get a triple double. I was I always wished I could average a triple double on any on some level of basketball. So I always wanted to be do it all. I never wanted to be a selfish player. And when once I understood like the game a little bit, I got. I got accustomed to scoring in high school because that was what I had to do for my team to be good. But once I got to college and I got around a lot of good guys, I was like, wow, I have a lot of talent around me. And it made, I made, made sure that I made everybody better. And I, when I see, when I'm, when I did that, our, our team took off. And when I seen that, I was like, damn, our team is going to be real better if I do this, this, and this. So that's what that's what I ne- I never wanted to be labeled as just that. Like I was honest one, you're just a scorer or you're just a playmaker or you're just a, a rebound. I just wanted to be always known as somebody that could contribute in every aspect of the game. If it if it came down to blocks, if it came down to steals, I always wanted to be able to do something to contribute. It was part of like the rebounding that you you're rebounding and how good you were at it because you were six four, and maybe what during AAU played out of position. Like you were probably, they probably had you play. You know how that goes. Like the six, the six one guy playing center for his AAU team well, was fifteen. Well, when I was young, I was always small, so I was like, so I want to say maybe like um, my senior year, I really got tall. So like I was probably like six one, six foot in high school going into my senior. Year. My senior, year, I got a got a growth spur. I hit like six three. So I hit I hit like six three in high school my senior year and that's when I really started to take off as a basketball player. Um, my senior year in high school I probably I was like first team all everything. We won the championship my my senior year I was um, all all state all group all that all of all of what you could possibly get and 
I wasn't labeled as a rebounder. I was more labeled as a scorer, but I did rebound. I always had a knack for rebounding for some odd reason. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like, rebounding became so natural. So, I think that's where – that's where – um. When the height, when I got the height, I think I think that did definitely help. And then in college, it just became it was magnified because it was on a big, bigger stage, and that's and the height definitely helped. I can tell you that. But I think the the, the I just had a knack for rebounding. I don't I can't even put it in words, but I just had a knack for rebounding, and I loved rebounding. So it was games in college where I had more rebounds than points. So it was just a knack for it, being around the ball all the time. Now, you basically just describe a complete player, which a lot of players aren't. Again, I've played with you. I know your game is complete from top to bottom. Yeah. You just mentioned all the different accolades that you had coming out of high school. Were there any other options outside of Felicia? Like, how did you go about choosing Felicia? Well, when I got when I got out of high school, like, when I got out of high school, I was going to – this is where I said grades are very important. Like, I got out of high school. I graduated with a 2.5. And I had a lot of options, but my SAT scores was um, – I had a problem with my SAT scores early on. And I had to take it, like, a few times to, to actually just to get into Felicia. So Felicia wasn't the only option. I had Bloomfield. I had a lot of JUCOs, and I had I had Division ones, but they wanted to redshirt me. And I did not want to – I didn't want to redshirt. I felt like I was beyond that. So I didn't want to redshirt or walk on to any Division one schools. So – Felicia got gave me an opportunity to come in right away and play and start. So I was like, mm, like a lot of schools wanted me to come for sure, but to to hand me the keys, like I came to Felicia as a point guard. They wanted me to be a point guard. So I came to Felicia like my first college game. I was a point guard. And I was like, yo, this is a different type of monster. Like I came in probably like 175 soaking wet, six. Six four one seventy five soaking wet playing point, so they handed me the keys early on at Felicia, and I'm a young kid. I really didn't know how to handle all the all the responsibilities early on. So they we did have upperclassmen, but um, I was given the opportunity to play right away. And I think I think well the misconception with a lot of uh, young kids is I always tell people go where you want it. So I was wanted, like, and I knew they wanted me. So they made every they made everything a lot easier for me. So when a school tells you, Antoine, like, I want you to come in, I want you to be you. I want you to that's all I really need to hear. And I and I didn't hear that from the other programs. So when I heard that, I was excited. I really wanted to start my journey there. For sure. That was that was the object. Like, yo, go go where you want it. And when I got that opportunity, I just ran with it. Hey, Greg, they go the title for the show for this episode. Go where you want it. You know, it's and it's and it's facts too. I, I gave I gave my brother the same advice. He's going through that same process right now, and it's a lot of that. Just like you're like, you got to end up going where they where they let you be yourself. So I, I think that's really great advice too. Um, mentioned the grades piece of it, right? The academics part. I see that you majored um, in computer information systems, right? On your affiliation. Yeah. Uh, so there. So how did that translate when you got out? Like, what happened after basketball for you? Well, after basketball, I, I wanted to play basketball professionally. Um, I had offers. I had a lot of offers. But, like, this is where another – there's another thing. When I when you 
when you're getting out of college, right, and you're looking to play at the professional ranks, um, teams, they, they call. They called me. I mean, I had four or five offers on the table coming out of college. And knowing me, I didn't really – I didn't understand that you're a dime a dozen. Like, that's like – people don't understand, like, the basketball market is so big. Like, you're not – you're you, you was a big fish in a small pond in college, but it's a lot of Antoines. It's a lot of Antoines out there, and they're waiting for the same opportunity. So I waited. I was like, man, I can get more money. So my first contract, I was gonna go, I was gonna go to Switzerland for four thousand dollars a month, and I was like, man, I'm better than that. And I was like, I'm better than that. So I waited and waited and waited, and and then you see the offers dwindle because they like, listen, I'm giving you a timeline. And I expect you to either answer or reply. So I waited and and the offers went to other people that like I said, it's not like you're a dime a dozen in this basketball world. It's a million people looking for opportunities to play professional. So I'm not saying that I did take it for granted early on and I had I had other opportunities, but I I decided I decided to get an opportunity. I decided I had got a great job opportunity. Also, so I mean, I had about, I had about, even when I got out of college, I still got another like four or five opportunities. But once I got out of college, I decided I, I've been injured, so I know, I know the risk factor and everything. So, like I've torn my ACL in both knees, and I, I understood the risk factor. So, a job was essential to me coming out of coming out of college. So, I weighed the options. I was like, man, like how long can I have a pro career? Where or how long can I have this corporate job that I'm going to get? So, I took the I took the entry level corporate job, and and I still was playing ball and I still played semi pro. I started off playing semi pro in um in Staten Island, playing for the Staten Island Vipers for the first year. Then I then I wound up playing playing with uh, Marsha. I know y'all probably going to get into that later, but um. I did. I did after that, but um, I took the I took the corporate role, and I'm happy that I did take it because uh, it gave me a it gave me a good insight on my future outside of basketball. And I didn't know how long I was going to play basketball, but I could have been making great money playing basketball. Don't get me wrong, but I think I think this gave me an opportunity to start a family, enjoy my family. I have a beautiful family. I have a house. I have everything that I wanted that I probably could have had with basketball, but I don't think the opportunity that I would have had getting a job, the job that I want, that I'm in the field that I'm in now, would have came if I did if I didn't take if I didn't jump on that entry level job when I first got got out of college. So that was a big it was a big risk factor, and I mean, I think that. It paid out in the end. I'm, I always tell people, like, listen, yo, don't be me because I'm not, like, I, I I, got hurt. So I know, I like, it was a big difference with me. Like, I had to really sit there and and evaluate my situations. Like, you know, my situation is a lot different than the other people. So I understood, like, basketball is not always going to be there. So that's, that's, like, I will push anybody to, like, yo, go play professional basketball. Like, yo, go do it. Like, if you have the opportunity, absolutely do it when you're young. Because it's it's a once in a life opportunity that you probably won't get back. Don't don't leave any regrets out there. If you really want to pursue basketball, put your all into it, and the opportunities will be there. But 
I definitely took the different route. Hey, well, you happy with it? It worked out for you. You mentioned the two ACLs. How did you have to change your game? Like after that, having those injuries, how did your game change for you? All right, because that's that's a good question. Um, my game changed a lot because I had to start really understanding. I had to start understanding you can't use your athleticism. Like I was very athletic before. So I, I had to understand how to use angles better. I wasn't a big jumper. So I had to really start using box, boxing out techniques. And I had to learn some post moves because I had to learn how to score easier. Um, everything wasn't, everything wasn't a catch and go or, or a drive by or, so I had to really learn um, other things that helped me. I think that's what helped me also like when I, in my semi-pro career because I had to learn um, how to play against bigger guys without using athleticism. So I had to learn techniques, bumps, all types of post moves and stuff like that because to get my shot off, because I wasn't that most athletic guy, but I definitely learned how to score. And I think, it taught me a lot of patience on the office also. So that helped me. So with the knee injuries, it definitely, it definitely had expanded my IQ on the basketball. I had to really learn how to just a lot of patience in the basketball world. So that, that helped me big time. Greg, before you go, right? Trust me, his bag is deep. His bag is deep. <laughs> But it was too many times we're going to talk about Jersey Express too many times where I had to go one on one and it was a long night for me but go go ahead Greg no I, mean, I, <laughs> I was going to say I mean I, you know obviously your game got better and, and a lot of people a lot of athletes in particular describe injuries and the recovery from injuries as a chance to watch film the game slows down right. get better right absolutely um, you know I, I, I want to ask you this. I mean, obviously, you came up, you were super athletic, like you said before, athletic, like you said before, and it sounds like your game expanded, you got more skilled. What yes. would you tell a kid right now who's listening to this podcast, who's super athletic, um, like you were, right? Would you, like, what would you tell them the best? What was the best advice you'd give them in terms of developing their game? You know? I, I, would, tell them, I would tell them definitely to focus on your skill aspect of the game because Skills can take you a lot, a lot of places. I think athleticism dwindles, mm-hmm. and that's when skill takes over. So focus on skills too, because athleticism isn't always athleticism is probably the first thing to go in the basketball. Like I tell people that that's your first, that's the first thing to go, athleticism. So skill, that's probably your last thing to go. So skill is you may not move as fast, or you may not you'll lose the speed but the skill is still there so I always had the skill so I, when I learned when I started playing when I started playing I used I, I based a lot of my game off of offensive like oh, I was athleticism I could jump this I can go get this but but when the skill came into uh, uh when the skill became relevant then I was like wow like yo basketball is a lot easier so I would definitely tell kids learn the fundamentals the fundamentals is very crucial now because a lot of kids go into um, basketball without learning those they just oh I could run and jump I'm the fastest and I'm the highest jumper but 
but you when you don't have the fundamentals down pat, when you just when you everybody want to do jelly, but if you can't make a regular layup, why are you trying to do a spin or a Kyrie and not nah, learn the fundamentals first because that's big, that's big because like I said, when athleticism go, then you your career could be longer because you have skill. So I think a lot of the pros, and I think I think the pro the pros understand like you watch these guys like LeBron and all these guys now they they start to get skill like LeBron's got to get it back to the basket because the athleticism is the one of the first things that go so you don't see LeBron trying to dunk everything you see he, he got he developed a jump shot you start to see everything like the skill is probably the, the the aspect of the game that 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 lacks the most now in the NBA I think it's a lot of athletic people but the skill is the most important thing I agree 100%. I mean, I, I be telling people that all the time. Like, you see athletic guys flying around the gym, and you just know that you just know that it's going to catch up to them. And a good example of it, and I want to get off topic too much, Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. Right. Blow buys, you know, early in the league, just dunking all over dudes. And then now it's starting to slow down. He's in his 30s, and it's, it's getting humbling now. Like, it's, it's, start, it's, starting to, it's starting to catch up with him. So I definitely agree with that point for sure. Absolutely. Transition to your pro career, semi-pro, you played, you said the Vipers and Jersey Express. How did you come about that decision to play semi-pro? Like I said, I always loved basketball, but then I started working in the corporate world and I started working in my career that I am now. Um, I said, man, I got to find something to do. Like, I love basketball. I cannot not be around it. So I I got the first offer to play semi-pro basketball with the Staten Island Vipers. Did real well there the first year. Did really well there the first year. I was going into my second year playing with them. And then some things happened. And I was like, uh, I don't feel like traveling Staten Island every day. So I got in contact with one of my guys over in New Jersey that I played for over in, That I played for, one of the coaches I played for, like in Dykeman and Rutgers. And he told me about Jersey Express. He was like, listen, yo, go over there. You're going to have a good career over there. So I went over there, and me and Marsha clicked right away. Like, me and Marsha clicked right away. We had a um, – Marsha is the owner of the Jersey Express. I'm sorry. Um, we clicked right away. And um, and I've been an all-star every year since being over there. So, I mean, um, I think Marsha, Marsha, she believed in me, and she believed in my abilities. And Marsha even had, me, had opportunities for me to go overseas, a lot of opportunities to go overseas. Every year it was opportunities, but I, was, I always turned them down. And I think we had we had a successful, we had been having a successful run. Like I still play semi-pro. I was hurt this last past season for the first time in a long time I was hurt. My back got hurt, so I was out. And um, it was a humbling experience for sure. Definitely a humbling experience. Like, dang, you really, you, that's why I always tell people you never know, like, yo, basketball, yo, the sport, it could take, could give and take. So that was the first time I was hurt in a long time, a serious injury that put me out of basketball. So I was hurt for a couple months. Now I'm back healthy and I'm trying to get back into playing shape and everything like that. That's what's big now. But yeah, that was the, like I was playing, I think I've been playing semi-pro for about seven years since I've been out of college. I was out of college since uh, 2013, about seven years right now. So um, yeah, so Seven eight years now playing semi pro. I've been having very success. I'm, I've been having a very successful NBA career, 
and I and I plan to keep playing until I can stop the so I can't anymore, you know. That's that's the goal. That's definitely the goal. For those that don't know, tell tell our listeners, our viewers, what the ABA is and what the difference is between ABA professional. Absolutely. ABA is a ABA is a semi um semi pro bas semi pro basketball. It's a it's a step down from the NBA and the G League. I mean, it's one of the biggest leagues that is around one of the oldest leagues and one of the bigger leagues that that's been around. I mean, it's probably the biggest league in the United, in the United States right now. It's probably over a hundred and something teams. Um, um, it's great basketball. I mean, it's a stepping stone for anybody that's trying to pursue a professional career overseas or anything higher. We have, we, they've had pros come out of here that that played in the NBA. They have NBA players that play in the ABA now. They had they had um, guys that get opportunities to go overseas right away after playing a couple of ABA games. You, I mean, it's a stepping stone to get to get to where you are that you want to be. If if it's a good beginner stage for somebody, some some people that really want to play pursue basketball, um, if they want to pursue basketball as a long term goal, I mean, some ABA teams actually actually um, are financially stable enough to pay players a decent salary. So you have ABA teams that definitely pay pay players like um, really good salaries to play in the United States. So there, um, I think it's a great, great tool for anybody that's looking to play basketball beyond college, you know, and then you didn't, if you didn't get an opportunity to play overseas or anything like that, or, or any, or any um, leagues period, any, any professional ranking. So I think the ABA is definitely a great tool. I think it helped many. I heard, I, I believe it helped thousands and thousands of players to pursue goals, other goals, and to pursue their professional career, period. Because people wouldn't have a professional career without the ABA. I think it's definitely, definitely a great opportunity. So that's what the ABA is. That's the gist of the ABA. It's definitely uh, one of the long tenured basketball, uh, basketballs, basketball opportunities out there professional rankings so yep that's a gist of the ABA I mean how did you how did you get into the ABA I mean did you have to try out I mean obviously you you had a you had a resume already that speaks for itself going into it so was it just something where they kind of seeked you out or was it did you have to try out for it I really didn't have to try out I actually my one of my good friends was like yo just go to this go to this um practice so I went to the practice and I actually established I mean I, I play well, well enough to actually make the team and, and everything. But um, I actually just went to the practice and, and played. And then I, I the following year, I went to play with Marsha. Marsha actually, she reached out to me. And she was like, Antoine, I mean, I know you've been playing with this team. She she was did it respectfully. I, I, I got I to gotta admit. She said, I know you've been playing with this team for a long time. And I mean, for the first, these your first two years playing maybe I know you've been playing, you've been playing with this team. Um, but I can give you an opportunity to like to travel like tri-state out of the country. Like and she she lived up to that. I mean, we're one of the I'm gonna be honest with you, New Jersey Express is probably one of the one of the one of the best northeastern teams that's around. I'm gonna tell you that. We always have a twenty game season. We always have we've we've been I, I know Tony knows some of the stuff too. We've been to Miami many of times. We've been to Florida many of times. We've been, we've been to Mexico. We actually won the championship out in Mexico. Um, 
be we was going to go to Australia. We've been to a lot of places. We go all over the tri-state area. I mean, we're one of the most we're one of the older teams in this northeast area. So, we're one of the most respectable teams in this area for sure. I think that I think that's what the history the history behind um Jersey Express drew me drew a lot of interest in me too. So, so when she when she presented the opportunity, I, I definitely I did it in a respectful way, and I definitely told the other team that I'd be joining them. And I think that it was a history from there. Like we've we've had a, a like Jersey Express is now family to me. You know, I think everybody is some people that talk bad about it, but I think a lot of I think a lot of people can can vouch and say they had a good time with the Jersey Express, regardless of the of the other BS, but. We had a, I think everybody could say it was a great time. Like, we, she really, we really had a lot of, a lot of respect outside, outside of um New Jersey, from a lot of teams. A lot of teams respect New Jersey Express. Shout out to Marsha owning Jersey Express. Um, we got one more before we transition to our with the quickness segment. One piece okay. of you give to somebody that's trying to go pro. One piece of advice that um, I, I, I always give people, like, listen, um, they're not looking for superstars. When you, when you enter a pro setting, nine times out of ten, they're really just looking for um, – they're really looking for a piece. Like, and I had to learn that early on, too. Like, I didn't know that I was going to come in and be the man. I always just wanted to be a piece. So be yourself. Don't go into a situation – and um and and try to do something that you're not capable of doing. You're a good rebounder, be a rebounder because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody that can stand out. Like Tone, Tone, when you first came on, you was like, Yo, I'm gonna be the best defender on the team. And your energy alone got you got you on the team and playing high minutes and being a crucial part of our success. So so like don't look in and become and do stuff that you're not that you're that 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 people are gonna look at you funny. Just be who you are. Like, listen, if I'm a if I'm a defender, that's what I'm gonna be. Offense gonna come. If I'm a if I'm a great rebounder, that's what I'm gonna be. Like, be true to yourself because I think that's where people fail at. Everybody think they're gonna come in and be the man right away. A lot of teams don't look for the man. They're looking for pieces. So, if I if I could give any advice to anybody that's looking to be a pro. Come in, do one thing good, and the other things definitely will show. Like scoring, all that's gonna come. But if you're if if you're a defender and you're a rebounder, or you're uh, uh, uh you're gonna be the fastest person on the break. Like be something that that do something that's gonna stand you out between everybody else. Do something that's definitely gonna magnify your situation to better your situation because. I think a lot of guys get locked in. I got to be the best scorer in the world. Like I got to put up forty points. I got to do that. And a lot of teams not looking for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that be a piece, and then obviously the piece, obviously your your efforts will give you opportunities to be to be that thirty point score or that twenty point score. So be a piece first. Be humble coming into a situation. I think that's the biggest thing. That's great advice. Uh, I can speak to that. I know me as a young player. I ain't always had that mindset. So I know that's a great piece of advice um, to have for sure. Greg, you already know, I, I jacked up a couple opportunities. <laughs> uh, 
yeah. No one, everybody thinks they're going to be a superstar when you step into something. No one thinks that, you right. know, no, no one dreams about being a role player, you know? So it, right. it, it's, a, it's a part yeah. of it. A lot of times the role player has the longest career in the NBA, man. Right. Look at a lot of these guys that have been in the league for so long. Like J.J. Redick, he's a shooter. He's been in, he's never been a superstar, but he's been he's always getting a contract. Kyle Culver, never been a superstar, but he's been in the league. He's almost thirty nine years old. Like those guys get the longer those guys those those guys have longer careers than superstars, man. It's those true. guys those guys have longer careers than superstars, but nobody wants to nobody likes to stick that those roles. But a lot of teams not really. That's why I tell you a lot of teams aren't looking for superstars. They're looking for pieces. So, I mean, if you are a superstar, if you come into a situation, you are a superstar, then, man, to all mean to embrace it, 100% embrace it. But if you get an opportunity to join something and be a piece, then be a piece, be yourself. I think it's, I think that's what a lot of guys get humbled at. They'd be like, dang, I thought I was going to come in here average 30. And it's, it's not that. And then they, they the, re- the realization comes in and be like, wow, like, then you get mad, and then I think a lot of people get mad at opportunities that and those opportunities dwindle because you don't humble yourself into the position that you are. Then you could, you know, you can have outbursts where you can have 30, 40 point games, but you have to be able, you have to understand that listen, those games aren't going to come all the time. You got to really sit back and evaluate yourself. I think a lot of people just don't evaluate themselves, they're not true to who they really are and not comfortable in that setting because, like, listen, everybody's been good. Like, you think I didn't, I, I didn't come in with the mindset, like, I'm going to come in Jersey Spurs, I'm going to average 40. Well, I'm going to average 30. I didn't come in with that mindset. I say, yeah, I'm going to be true to myself. The opportunity prevents, If the opportunity presents itself, then obviously I'm going to jump on it. But I didn't come in with that mindset. I just wanted to, I just wanted to play basketball. I just wanted the opportunity to play basketball. And I think that I think the opportunity presented itself, and I ran with it. And that's why I tell people, like, you be patient. Like, you wait your turn. It's going to be there. But do this well right now. So you can be on the court. Like I think a lot of people don't understand. Be on you want to be on the court, regardless. Do this well and you're gonna be on the court. So that's what I got to say about for the young players, yo. Especially if you have a superstar, if you have somebody that's that's the man already, yo, do this well so you can be on the court. Your opportunity is gonna come, but be patient. Right. 30 and 20. Easy, Greg. 30 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> we Press that's 30 and 20. That's what this was. That's what this is. Excuse me. That's what this is. Still doing it. Excuse me. We knew every night we could pencil AO in for 30 and 20 and five. (laughs) Easy. Every single night. Yeah. With the quick this segment, we're going to ask you some rapid fire questions and then get you out of here. We appreciate you. um, For our Again, this is Antoine Obery that we have on with us. What's your go-to meal? Go-to meal. Um, when I was my go-to meal now is different. Like I'm not. I was a go-to. I was really a big burger guy. Now I'm not. Now I'm, I'm more of a chicken. I try to get away from beef now that I get older. I'm a big chicken guy. Like anything grilled chicken, anything chicken. I, I try to stay away from beef. So chicken, chicken is my go-to. Got it. Greg, you already know the vibes. Perfect time to ask. Well, since you like chicken, um, this kind of fits perfectly. Have you had the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich? Absolutely. And have you had the Popeye's chicken sandwich? Absolutely. Which one do you think is better in your humble opinion? Humble opinion. My humblest opinion, 
I would say I enjoy the Popeye's chicken sandwich better than Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A But why? I want to hear I want to hear your reasons. I'm I'm a chicken sandwich connoisseur, so I want to hear what it, what it is cuz I'm I know my reasons. My reason why I like the Popeye's, I feel like I feel like the Popeye sandwich almost tastes just as good as like the chicken on a bone to me. I, the the, the Chick fil A sandwich is very good, very, very good. But I, I just something about the 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 Popeye's chicken sandwich that I, I feel like it gives me a homey, like the soul food vibes. I don't know why. That's what that's why. That's why it's like fried yeah. chicken in a bun. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you Absolutely. can put anything on there. You don't even need to put, like, whatever. They use, like, the hot sauce, the spicy sauce, whatever they want to use. Yeah. But you could put you could put syrup on that thing and, and put it in the <laughs> bread. And I swear it would taste good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And it's the bun, too, bro. The bun does, does numbers. The, the brochure, what is the brochure bun? Brioche bun, bun, bro. Brioche bun, yeah. Top five, definitely. Top, Top five. five. Absolutely. Who's in your musical rotation? Who are you listening to? I'm a big Drake guy. I like lyrics. I'm a big Drake, J. Cole. I like Kendrick. Um, I like lyrics. So I like I like deep, I like to be in deep thought. So I like mm-hmm. music that hits different, you know. I'm not a big mumble rapper guy, trap music guy, but I definitely like music that makes sense to me. You a Wale fan? Absolutely. I love Wale. Is is Wale, in your opinion, the greatest? Love song rapper of all time. This is, this no, is, I think, this is a hot topic. I think Drake is. I think Drake is definitely oh, the greatest. Okay. I think Wale makes good, great music, educational, make make you think music definitely, deep thought music definitely. But I think Drake, he definitely understands understands how to make great what music for women and stuff like that. I think. Okay. The the lover music for sure. Lover boy music for sure. For the Fire Lover Boy coming to you soon. Absolutely. Fire Lover Boy dropping soon. Um, I've been on the court with you. I've seen you at games. Give me your top five trash talkers that you know of. You can throw yourself in that list. You I know I'm a top. I know me, Jay Smith. You know Jay Smith. Jay, Jay Smith. Oh yeah. my God. I've never seen a, somebody that talks. He talks the most trash that I've ever been around. Um, my brother is equally. My brother is a bad trash talker. We're both bad trash. That's three. Um, wow, who else is a good trash talker? Um, uh, it's a tough question. Let me see. Who else is a good trash talker? Like, yo, there's some good trash talkers, but you really gotta back it up too. Like, right. the, um, um. Those three for sure. I really can't. I wish I, I really don't know. Like, like, oh, uh, Tone, you was a big trash talker too. You was oh, definitely yeah, a big trash Tone talker. Tone was cool. a big trash. Tone hey, was yo, definitely bro. a big trash talker. <laughs> your Tone talked a lot of trash, bro. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Tone was a big trash talker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I say that I, the players that I play with definitely, those, those probably like. Those are a lot of trash talkers. Those are most most of the biggest trash talkers I've been around. Hey, Greg, no cap though. I'm on Jersey Express just trying to chill. Our coach would do a lot of stuff that would make you want to speak up. Coach Jacob, <laughs> he'd be like, "Yo, you really not that good." Now, now you got me worked up. Yeah, right. 
Right. And then you couldn't do nothing when you got AO. I gotta see if we can get Jason on the show. Jason, bruh. Yeah, Jason, not yo. Yo, hands down, he could talk trash with NBA players and he back it up too. Like Jason, bruh, he brought it out. Jay Smith is one of the people that makes me want to play long into my career, yo, because he played until he was about 39, 40, yo. He played a long time, yo. He's one of those guys that pushed me to play into, like, 10 more years. Like, I just hit – I'm 30 years old now, so, like, yo, he makes me want to play for a long time, yo. Did y'all not play with Jesse? Jesse Jones? Jesse played on that team, yep. How how was that experience? I mean, obviously, you know, he – you know, he's – uh, Jesse was yo, Jesse was actually Jesse was um I think he this I think it was probably his first opportunity to play like pro basketball. So Jesse was he he embraced it. He was really good. Yo, he came to practice, did everything, yo. He was a good team player, a great teammate. A great teammate, yo. He was what real was, good. Like we had fun with him. What was his role on those teams out of curiosity? Jesse was a scorer, like he was a flat out scorer. Like we, we was a one two punch for sure. He was a one two punch for sure. Jesse was, Jesse was definitely a scorer. I think it was his early stages of being like, I think the Jersey Express really helped him like to develop into like, not saying it was, a, I mean, it was not saying it developed him, but I mean, it, it helped him start a, a pro career, you know, for sure. It was, a yeah. stepping stone. it was him and AO each getting like 30 a night, bro. <laughs> each, bro. Like, and, we both, and, and, and that year we both, the- we that, that's funny. That year we made the um, we both made the All Star team that year too. <laughs> People will say that from Tommy all the time. It, it, it's not sweet. Like he's really a bucket. Like he's really nah, a, he's a bucket. Now he yeah his game really matured now. Like he's really he's really like he like I say he was in the beginner stages. And he was still a bucket then. Now he's like he's certified now. He's certified. Yeah. He's a certified killer now. Well, shout out shout out to Filet, man. I mean give give him some love on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Shout out to Jesse, man. Jesse Jones. Yo, last one before we get you out of here. Five people dead or alive that you would like to have a meal with. Um, five people dead or alive that I would like to have a meal with. Anybody in the world? Anybody. I think Barack, Barack, um, Jay Z, pick his brain, Denzel, um, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. I think those five would be have us sit down and have them pick their brains and just be different. Talk and pick their brain for sure. Can't argue with that table right there. Nah, and it was decisive. That's a, that's the quickest I've heard people go him anyone ring off the five. The fastest on the show. Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's a wrap for this episode of the Bench Mob Podcast on all streaming platforms on YouTube, on Patreon. Check us out, subscribe, share it, tag a friend. Tell your mom, your uncle, your baby mom, all of them. We have another episode. Thank you again, Ayo, for hopping on with us. We appreciate you yep. taking time schedule. But y'all know the vibes. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. 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 I appreciate y'all.